it's Chris, the Supply Chain Doctor and host of Supply Chain is Boring. Over the years, I've interviewed some of the brightest minds and successful leaders in the world of supply chain management. In May 2020, I sat down with Ken Ackerman to learn more about him and collect a little supply chain management history. After our discussion, Ken told me about a similar interview he had with Dr. James Stock many years prior and the related work Dr. Stock was doing. In November 2020, I was able to catch up with Dr. James Stock to learn about his work. As an academic in the field of transportation, logistics, and now what we call supply chain management, Jim was well-connected to many of the original academic thought leaders in this space. Jim did interviews with many of these original thought leaders and shared them with me. The list includes Ken Ackerman, Don Bowersox, James Haskett, Bud Lalonde, John Langley Jr., Tom Menser, Tom Spee, and Daniel Wren. To carry on the great work started by Dr. Jim Stock, I'm dusting off these interviews and bringing them to you on Supply Chain is Boring. Good morning, my name is James Stock, the Frank Harvey Endowed Professor of Marketing at the University of South Florida in Tampa. We're here today to conduct an interview with one of the luminaries in the academic discipline of logistics and supply chain management. The purposes of this interview are several. First and perhaps foremost is to get to know the personal side of one of the leading logistics and supply chain academicians, a person who has significant influence on the profession. We often read the person's books and journal articles, listen to their presentations at academic and or professional meetings, and sometimes even have individual discussions with them at uh, various events and venues. However, we rarely get to know the person beyond the professional aspects of their careers. In the field of literature and art, researchers often consider the what, why, how, who, and when of a particular book or painting, short story, poem, and so forth. They speculate on, on what might have motivated the writer or the artist to write the book or to paint the painting determine the message or the story of the text or art and the writer artist's perception of the contributions of their work. In the same way, through this and, and other interviews that will be uh, conducted of leading business scholars, um, as Paul Harvey uh, has said many times, we'll attempt to get the rest of the story. These taped interviews will hopefully serve as supporting material for various university courses where the various works of these academicians will be discussed. They will be of significant impact in courses where history and theory are being examined since these individuals contributed extensively to that history and theory. Each interview is based on a set of structured questions using an interview guide. Of course, the interviewee's responses are spontaneous and they may lead to other questions based upon those responses. However, the general format for this and other interviews will be, that will be conducted in the future will be similar. It's hoped that audiences who view these interviews will get a broader and a richer view of the people and the events that have shaped their discipline. We hope that you learn from what will be said and discussed during these interviews and be able to more fully appreciate and understand the significant contributions made by these luminaries in the field. Let's begin by introducing our distinguished guest. Dr. James L. Heskett is presently Baker Foundation Professor Emeritus at the Graduate School of Business at Harvard University in Boston, Massachusetts, although he now resides for part of the year uh, in Sarasota, Florida. He graduated from Ohio Iowa State Teachers College in 1954 with a major in business education, obtained an MBA from Stanford University in 1958. 
His PhD was completed in 1960 from Stanford University where he concentrated general management, transportation, marketing, and finance. His dissertation was titled Industrial Logistics, a Movement Systems Concept. Upon graduation, Jim took a position as assistant professor at The Ohio State University in Columbus in 1960. He remained at Ohio State until 1965, being promoted to associate professor. He joined the faculty at Harvard University in 1965, later becoming the UPS Foundation professor and then the Baker Foundation professor. During a leave from the university, Jim served as founder and president of the logistics consulting firm Logistics Systems, Inc., a subsidiary of the Ogden Corporation. Altogether, Jim has been a faculty member for more than 40 years teaching and conducting research in marketing, logistics, service management, general management, and entrepreneurial management. In recognition of his professional standing, Jim has served on the board of directors for Office Depot, Limited Brands, and IntelliSeq. He has served as a consultant to numerous companies in North America, Latin America, and Europe. During his career, Jim has received numerous awards for his achievements, including the John Drury Sheehan Award, now called the Distinguished Service Award, of the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals for outstanding achievement in logistics and supply chain management. He received the 1992 Marketing Educator of the Year Award from the Sales and Marketing Executives International. Jim is also one of the early members of the National Council of Physical Distribution Management which was the forerunner of the present-day CSCMP, Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals. He has served as a member of the editorial boards of the International Journal of Physical Distribution and Logistics Management and the International Journal of Service Industry Management and several others. He published a large number of articles in the top business and marketing journals, including the Harvard Business Review, the Journal Marketing, Sloan Management Review, and the California Management Review, among others. He's co-authored or authored more than a dozen books in the areas of transportation, logistics, and services marketing. He was co-author with Glaskowski and Ivy of one of the earliest textbooks on logistics titled Business Logistics, published by Ronald Press in 1962. Jim has published extensively in the marketing arena, including books such as Marketing, published by Macmillan Publishing in 1976, Logistics Strategy and Cases, uh, published by West Publishing in 1985, Service Breakthroughs, Changing the Rules of the Game, Free Press 1990, The Service Management Course, also a Free Press 1991 book, Corporate Culture and, and Performance, 1992 by the Free Press, and uh, The Value Profit Chain, another Free Press book in 2003. His most recent book is a co-authored book entitled The Ownership Quotient, Putting the Service Profit Chain to Work for Unbeatable Competitive Advantage, uh, published by the Harvard Business Press, 2008. Jim has made significant contributions to his university and the profession. His contributions in the development of HBR course materials, including cases and teaching notes, are extensive. During his career, Jim has been involved in many executive development programs at the Harvard Business School, as well as many international locations at universities and elsewhere. His articles, books, and teaching materials have impacted literally thousands of students and business executives in North America and around the world. Throughout his career, Jim has been a value-adding contributor to his university, his students, the countless businesses that have interfaced with Harvard University, and to scholars throughout the globe. 
It's our distinct pleasure to get to know the personal side of this man and so that we may more fully appreciate his significant professional contributions and achievements. Jim, welcome to uh, our university, and we'll be certainly pleased to speak with you today. It's a real pleasure to be here. Very nice. Well, let's start with uh, a typical question that is asked of a person. When and where were you born? Well, I was born in 1933 in Cedar Falls, Iowa, uh, a town near where I grew up uh, on a farm. Uh, something that, uh, an experience that uh, I enjoyed but did not want to pursue for the rest of my life. So uh, my ambition was to go into retailing. I had an uncle uh, who worked for S.S. Kresge Company back in those days. and. Uh, I thought he had a great job, and I was I was planning to go into retailing after I finished college. Good. Is there anything, as you were growing up on that farm, that uh, significantly shaped who you are today? Well, of course, uh, one's parents always uh, shape themselves. I had a father who uh, worked on the farm in the summer, and he worked in a factory in the winter. Uh, hustled a little pool on the side and uh, managed to make ends meet. Um, and he always convinced me that, uh, you, you, first of all, you, you should always pay your own way. That was One should always pay his own way. And uh, another thing was that you should always establish good credit. Even if you move to a community, take out a loan, put it in a savings account, Pay it back when it's uh, when it's due, and uh, not use the money. Interesting. So, uh, <laughs> there were a number of influences of that sort, Jim. Okay. Uh, can you think of uh, a personality trait that uh, maybe drove you to succeed as you have done in your career? Well, I've always uh, I've always wanted to pay my own way, and I suppose I've been uh, kind of oriented in that fashion and driven uh, to some extent uh, to always make sure that uh, uh, there were uh, productive ways of spending time and the like, uh, maybe to the uh, detriment of uh, entertainment or a few other things that uh, could be involved in. Okay, very good. If we could speak to your parents today, how do you think they would have described you as a child? How would they have described me as a child? I was an only child, so therefore, uh, I suppose they might not have thought quite this way, but I was a prince in some respects, uh, as only children are, male children. Uh, my mother was uh, could be very nurturing at times and not so nurturing at other times. Uh, she probably would have described me as, uh, you know, the pride of her life. Uh, uh, my father um, would have liked me, I think, to spend more time on the farm uh, and would have uh, described me as somebody having a rather independent uh, mindset. Okay. Are there any specific childhood memories that uh, you still have uh, after all these years? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <clears throat> There are there are several uh, uh, pitching hay in a haymow in the middle of summer in 100 degree weather with uh, with that wonderful uh, 
uh, hay uh, down your back, um, uh, driving tractor, things of that sort, and uh, and as I recall, my father was an amateur pilot as well. Um, some of the most nauseating uh, flights that I've ever experienced in my life. Okay, interesting. Now you mentioned uh, uh, going to college ultimately. But let's go back a little bit earlier. Tell us about your secondary school background. And did you go to school in the Iowa area and and so on? I started out in a one-room schoolhouse, and um, we had eight grades, and uh, the little kids sat nearest the wood stove in the back in the winter. Uh, that teacher was uh, I'll never forget Sarah Schreiber was. Uh, an amazing person, keeping all those eight grades uh, learning, even though she didn't teach me to read when I should have learned. Uh, then attended uh, school in, in Cedar Falls, uh, a college town. Went to Cedar Falls High School, where um, I do remember some of my instructors as being uh, uh, outstanding. Uh, a science teacher, a guy named Hofstadt, who uh, was incredible. A, uh, a math teacher, Miss Rate, who uh, taught me probably more math than I've learned in the rest of my life. And um, uh, a, in general, uh, a high school experience that uh, I will never forget. What was your favorite subject in secondary school? Oh, I suppose math. I think uh, uh, algebra was always a great favorite. And, uh, we studied a little calculus, a few things, trigonometry and things like that. Loved it. Okay. And did you get involved in any sports or other kinds of extracurricular activities? Well, I wrestled. Uh, being a uh, rather slight of build at that time and not having grown until I graduated from high school, I wrestled in the 95 pound category. And wrestling was something you could do if you weighed 95 yes. pounds. You couldn't play football, but you could wrestle. And uh, enjoyed that a lot, even though I didn't continue in college. Okay. I was famous for its wrestling. Oh, yes. yes. Um, were you involved in any kind of uh, school clubs or organizations? Well, I like to write, and uh, so I was uh, on the yearbook. And, uh, we had a newspaper, uh, did a lot of shows, student shows, uh, both in terms of writing the shows and emceeing and that kind of thing. Uh, loved music, and I was beginning to uh, play professionally while I was in high school. So uh, I also played in the shows, uh, uh, saxophone, clarinet, and um, had a uh, very, very active uh, existence. Okay. Have you continued that uh, clarinet and saxophone? Well, I, I've continued the interest in music. I actually uh. worked my way through college playing in a variety of, professionally in a variety of bands and the like, uh, traveled around the Midwest a bit. Uh, which didn't help my school uh, work, mm. uh, and uh, but shortly thereafter went to the army, and since then have never played uh, professionally, but still 
carry the instrument around and as a matter of fact in the last year or two I'm I've started for the first time taking piano lessons ah, so very nice. uh, something you can do uh, uh, in your semi-retirement ah, very good did you participate in any form of the student government uh, while you were in uh, secondary school and high school especially uh, it, I, I suspect I did I I can't remember accurately but I I was involved in the uh, sort of the government structure. Yes. Now you mentioned a few teachers, science and math. Uh, was there one specific teacher that probably had the most influence on you? Well, throughout that whole time? Yes. Um, certainly uh, the uh, teacher who taught me to read, uh, that, was, that was an important thing. I didn't learn to read until I was uh, well along. I think it was second or third grade. I don't remember exactly. I had memorized up until that point and had uh, uh, managed to get by doing that. But Miss Bartlett was a, a woman who taught me to read. Uh, but in, in high school, I think uh, my math teacher was probably as influential as any uh, in the sense that she was stern, um, not very forgiving, but she had just the right kind of discipline to teach math, and, uh, and we all liked her. Good. How would you describe yourself as a student, uh, both academically and socially? Well, um, particularly in college, uh, I was involved in uh, a variety of Activities, as I say, I, I was uh, working professionally as a musician. I got a job uh, managing a Dairy Queen, which I did for one or two years, all at the same time. So I was trying to hold down these two jobs. Uh, wanted to to pursue a pre-med uh, course, uh, but was unable to sustain the work, uh, particularly chemistry and. Uh, that kind of activity, uh, moved to math, uh, had, uh, had trouble keeping up with my math homework, uh, uh, was advised that perhaps a music major would be uh, more appropriate, uh, for which I needed to learn how to play the piano, which I was unable to do in the time that I had available and ended up getting a degree in business education as uh, almost a last resort uh, after all of that other uh, activity. So I suppose in college I'd have to say I was not a good student, um, mainly because uh, I was involved in too many activities. Now, prior to college and secondary school, did you uh, receive any specific honors or awards? Uh, through wrestling or playing or uh, any of those things that you were involved oh, I'm in? Sure, I'm sure I got some awards for, for music, mm -hmm. uh, more, more so than wrestling. Um, uh, and, uh, and I had the usual recognition for the journalism that I was involved in, but uh, none that really stand out in my mind. I later, uh, from my alma mater, I was... State Teachers College, which today is the University of Northern Iowa, I later did receive a, uh, receive a Distinguished Alumni Award, uh, which to me 
seemed a bit ironic given the academic experience I had had when I was on campus. Interesting. Now, usually when people are growing up, uh, they have somebody either in entertainment or government business somewhere uh, that is, that's, that's my idol. That's the person I'd like to be like. Did you have anyone like that uh, while you were in secondary school prior to college? Well, I suppose uh, during that period of time, uh, my uncle, the uncle that I mentioned earlier, uh, was someone of that sort. Uh, he, would, he was a regional vice president of this uh, variety store chain, and he would take me on store visits with him. Uh, he walked through the store with a manager uh, trailing behind, uh, taking notes as he pointed out all the things that needed to be done. And then as we got to the end of the uh, visit, he'd stop at the front counter and buy me a package of gum or something like that. And uh, for somebody like me, uh, that was a, about as good as I thought it could get. Ah, okay. So, and he was a, 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 a very uh, vital uh, person as well, um, and a, and a uh, very outgoing person. So he was, uh, in terms of personality, he was very much a role model as well. Okay, very good. Is there anything that uh, people would find very surprising about you uh, that perhaps you did or were involved in uh, when you were in high school? Or perhaps even earlier in in, uh, well, I perhaps perhaps the music side. Uh, that's not something that uh, uh, has I've played up or even mentioned, uh, perhaps in other in other discussions. Um, the uh, I played uh, in a variety of groups. Um, I suppose entertain briefly the possibility of becoming a professional musician uh, until common sense uh, got the better of me. But uh, we traveled um, a bit, um, played in some pretty rough spots, and uh, uh, Galesburg, Illinois was the roughest I think I ever experienced. But uh, and. Um, Nevertheless, I think uh, we're shaped by that experience uh, in terms of, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, developing a little more worldly view than a, than a kid who grew up on the farm would otherwise have. All right. Now, you had mentioned uh, going to, to college, uh, now University of Northern Iowa. Mm -hmm. um, were your parents supportive of you going to college? And you mentioned... Uh, uh, you holding down several jobs while you were in school. Um, yeah. Tell us how you decided to go there. Sure. Uh, well, there was never any question in the family about whether I was going to go to college or not. I don't recall ever having uh, really played a part in that decision. Uh, I think it was always assumed that, that I was going to go to college. My parents had between them uh, one year of college. My mother went to college for a year. Uh, my father hadn't graduated from high school, so uh, they both viewed college as a very important uh, thing. On the other hand, they didn't have a lot of money to send me to college. So, uh, in a sense, I received the uh, 
the responsibility uh, in a way without the <laughs> without necessarily the means to pay for it all. So uh, that perhaps explains why many of us went to college three miles away from home. Uh, I lived at home for the first year and then I moved on campus and uh, uh, or off campus, just off campus uh, in a rooming house. And um, that too was probably a more important part of my education than than anything else because I lived with basically with the football team uh, and observed uh, what went what went on with uh, a fairly uh, high profile group of uh, people on the campus uh, but it all in all uh, there was never a question about college I, I was to go to college graduate school was something else my I I doubt that my parents ever really understood what I did after I graduated from college other than going into the army they may have understood that but okay so you um, moved from home to a rooming house by campus after the first year uh, did you belong to any uh, fraternities while you were there I, I belonged to uh, Sigma Tau Gamma fraternity I was not a um, and we didn't have a house so uh, that didn't solve my housing problems uh, was probably never the most active fraternity member but uh, uh, enjoyed the uh, sort of the fellowship that went with it uh, without the living experience that goes with a lot of fraternities this was fraternity light this campus didn't have uh, fraternity and sorority houses can you think of ways that that uh, experience as an undergraduate student impacted or influenced you to go on for a, a master's and then later a PhD? Well, actually, I had no intent of going on. Uh, but there were some experiences during uh, those undergraduate days that really did um, uh, perhaps plant some seeds. Uh, those were the days of the of McCarthy and uh, McCarthy ism I suppose you'd call it uh, actually led to the um, dismissal of several faculty members at at the university Um, some that were uh, quite well known or 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 well liked Uh, I didn't happen to know any of those people but that spurred a lot of conversation and discussion among students pro con what have you and I began hanging out with a group that used to get together at at, uh, at the home of someone uh, the only member of the group that actually had a uh, uh, a place like that uh, large enough and you could drop in I remember any hour of the day or night and you'd find a group in discussion uh, about anything uh, under the sun and for some reason that really did influence me Uh, I took my girlfriend uh, to this place once and she as my wife uh, has told me several times that she had never experienced anything like that in college and was one of the things that sort of intrigued her 
about me. So <laughs> I, I suppose that was uh, that was an influence. I didn't realize it at the time. Mm -hmm. So in terms of um, your college experience and you not anticipated nor your parents going on beyond that, what was the the uh, triggering mechanism to get you to go on for the advanced degrees? Well, uh, ironically, it was the fact that we had a draft in the United States at that time. I knew I had to go to the service. Uh, I was not reluctant to go, but I didn't want to spend any more time than I, uh, than I had to. And at that time, if you enlisted, it was a three-year tour of duty, and if you were drafted, it was two. So I uh, made sure that I got drafted in a timely way shortly after college, and I believe by July 4th I was on my way uh, to Arkansas. Um, and the reason that the Army was the trigger point was that I had a buddy in the Army that I had uh, met in basic training, and we kept in touch after we were uh, transferred to Europe and uh, he asked me what I was going to do after I got out of the army and I said uh, I'm going into retailing uh, that's my dream and he said uh, well you know af he said after you get your MBA I said no no I'm I don't have any intention to get an MBA and he said well you're absolutely out of your mind he said uh, uh, surely you're going to want an MBA. Uh, he said, I, uh, there's only one school. And being from Southern California, for him that school was Stanford. And he said, uh, I've put in my application for Stanford and I've got an ap extra application right here. And I want you to sit down and I want you to, over the next couple of nights, I want you to fill out that application and send it in. Well, almost on a lark, I filled out the application. Um, to make a long story short, um, uh, probably because I was from Iowa and he was from California, um, I was admitted and he wasn't. And uh, it's something we've talked about for years. He passed away not too long ago, but we, one of the last things we discussed was that uh, experience of my getting in and his not. He went on to become CEO of Catalina Swimwear, so he didn't do too badly. But uh, in that way, the Army really was that first step toward graduate school, graduate okay. education. Interesting. Um, in that MBA program, and we'll get back to your military experience in a moment, but when you finally went to the MBA uh, program at Stanford, um, after having been in the uh, uh, northern Iowa uh, curriculum and sort of moved around across various areas of interest, um, what made you choose the, the area of business that uh, you probably concentrated on during that MBA? Well, I, uh, when I arrived on campus, uh, I had no money and uh, no job. I had uh, couple of months left in the summer. I did gardening work. I carried out groceries and uh, saw a notice 
uh, for a secretary's job for uh, a professor named Gaten Germain, mm. who was the director of something called the Transportation Management Program at Stanford. Having uh, trained in the Army to be a, uh, a stenographer, of all things, uh, in a crim criminal investigation detachment, uh, uh, he, being a military person, thought that this might be a great, uh, a great choice. So he selected me for the job. Uh, naturally, I became familiar with what he was doing in the field of transportation, uh, which influenced what I began to study. And, uh, and ultimately, with his encouragement, what I uh, investigated during my doctoral work as well. Interesting. Now back to the military. Were you getting GI Bill while you were going to Stanford? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without Very that good. GI Bill, <laughs> I wouldn't have been going to Stanford. <laughs> um, so when you were in the uh, the military, um, what rank did you achieve while you were there? I assume you went as enlisted since you were drafted. Yes. Um, yes. And how did you get into that uh, sort of stenographer's position in the military? <laughs> Well, being a draftee, uh, there are many unusual stories about how you end up uh, doing what you do. Um, the uh, my uh, I guess my ambition was to play in the army band, and so uh, during basic training I auditioned and was accepted. I, that was no problem. Uh, having played professionally, uh, I was ready. Uh, but you can be ready in the Army. And if there are no openings uh, during the particular week in which you uh, matriculate from basic training, uh, you can find yourself in a totally different uh, kind of occupation. So very quickly, <laughs> I found myself uh, in what was known as clerk typist mm -hmm. school, I believe, and uh, did so well in clerk typist school that I was sent on to the stenographer's uh, uh, adjutant general school in uh, Indianapolis, which was a, a nice long program uh, where we learned uh, stenographic skills that I have never used since. I'm, uh, I'm a whiz at Greg Shorthand, or at least was at the time I came out of the Army. Um, the uh, uh, as a result, I didn't aspire to rank, and I think I came out as what was known then as an SP3, which is probably the equivalent of a corporal, uh, one rank above uh, the rank at which I was, uh, that I received when I was drafted. Supply Chain is Boring as part of the Supply Chain Now Network, the voice of supply chain. Interested in sponsoring this show to help get your message out? Send a note to Chris at the scdr.com. We can also help with world-class supply chain education and certification workshops for you or your team. Thanks for listening. And remember, supply chain is boring.